Anishutes, Chapter 9. The first thing that hit me was a dust-patinaed sprawl of checkerboard linoleum tiles that lay before me, like the dark side of some Lewis Carroll story. In the gloom to my right, chairs and cartons of old books were heaved on top of each other in no particular order. A heavy old black telephone with a rotary dial lay across my path, the thick fabric cord reaching out through the dust to connect the receiver with its base. I scanned the book covers in the dark and saw the familiar confusion of titles I didn't understand. Not written in the modern text of high-tech Germany, but in the old calligraphied letters that spoke of something witchy and gothic. Training manuals? Medical texts? I could barely read the letters, let alone the words. Ahead I could see the gloomy light of a frosted window in the distance of a corridor. I clicked off my flashlight and moved towards it cautiously. There were papers and odd scraps of clothing on the ground. The familiar orb of a rubber wheel could be seen through the dark, where a gurney had been knocked onto its side in the gloom. A bedsheet was draped over it, part of it appearing to melt into the dust and filth of the floor. It was dead silent. A thick, almost anticipatory hush hung heavy in the gloom. Once I became aware of it, I began to take quick glances over my shoulder in the dark as my skin pickled with the feeling that lots of eyes were on me. My heart thumped and my own eyes darted in and out of the blackened corners and dark gaps for a crouching figure, a long-toothed phantom. I let out a slow breath in the thick air. I hadn't realized I had been holding it until then. I slowly hazarded a look over my shoulder again, half expecting to turn and face someone breathing down my neck. There was only the void and a very faint light behind me coming from the gap between the heavy steel door and its frame. The sliver of light cast a thin beam and I could see dust swirling in its inviting glow. I stared at it for a while, half expecting to see the door slam shut by unseen hands. I turned away and faced my silent audience in the corridor, hoping that if I followed that icy feeling, I might find her huddled in the gloom. On my right was an office of some sort. A sturdy wood desk and chair stood sentinel. A hat rack and mirror. An old metallic fan that looked like it would not spare a finger if one ventured past its inadequate metal guard. The floor was littered with dust-covered bits of detritus that I started to recognize in the dark. Papers like onion skins typed in German were strewn all over the floor. Noticeable medical texts lay open on the tiles. Anatomical drawings of nude figures sprouting nerves and veins and exposed muscles. Jars and containers also lay on the floor. Some shattered, some intact. One still bore a little green cross that the Germans associated with first aid on its center. At the end of the corridor, I looked through the open door of the last room. My jaw dropped, and I inhaled an unwanted surge of frosty air into my lungs. I recognized the straps first. They still clung to the old wooden chair with mean little brass tacks that seemed to gleam through the dust. Anna? I said quietly in the dark. The worst part of me thought about rushing in and touching the chair, a virtual throne of pain and suffering but now a holy relic because it was something she had touched at some time when living. I imagined what had happened to her there, and then turned away from it like when you see a car crash and get more of an eyeful than you wanted. I teetered in the threshold of that room, looking down at the instruments scattered on the floor. I recognized some of them, syringes and scalpels and calipers, but I didn't want to think about what they might have been used for. I should not be here, I thought. You need certain kinds of people here, historians, or crime scene people, or whoever it was that made Auschwitz and Dachau, and all those places seem so sterile and user-friendly with the touchscreens and voiceovers in five different languages. Someone had missed this spot. When rewiring and replumbing and refitting the remains of a massacring war machine, someone had forgotten to clean this up. 
a catacomb that somehow reeked of blood and abuse. One floor above this place people played video games and rap music and watched Fast and the Furious Six, but beneath it all, it was here. Down the hall a cluster of white mice seemed to hold very still and silent congress. The post was lousy with mice. Sometimes you'd be walking along the parade grounds or the soccer fields, and the grass and leaves at your feet would suddenly lurch and move like a snake under the turf as a little gray mouse shot by your feet through the leaves to its burrow. I clicked on my light in the gloom and trained it on the creatures ahead of me on the tile. Their little tails were made of string, their bodies of paper. I walked up to them in the cold and bent down to read Albert Messner and very deliberate German cursive. It had been fountain-penned with runny ink. I ran my fingers along the string loop attached to it, then suddenly dropped it like it was in fact a real rodent when I realized what it was. They were toe tags. Old waxy loops of thread designed to be spread slightly, and then spread down over the big toe of a decedent in a morgue. I breathed out an icy mist in the dark, shaking my hands as if trying to fling off something stuck to it. I shined my light back down on the pile of tags and began to kick them carefully apart with my boot toe. Hans Heim? Jonas Klimt? I knelt down and carefully flicked over the last dozen or so, trying not to touch them with anything but the tips of my nails. Andreas Bosch? Karl? Something I couldn't read. I could be wrong, but if they had been used to mark clothing or keys or weapons, and they were no longer attached to those items, wouldn't they be untied or cut to remove them? With these, whoever had worked down there would simply pull them skyward with a hooked finger off the recent dead and toss them away. I knelt down and carefully flicked over the last dozen or so, trying not to touch them. Hans Schwartz? Karlheim? Good. Men's names. Looks like mostly men. No problem. Josef Jens? Karl Badheim? I wasn't sure if I wanted to see it or not. What would it mean? Obviously, she had died somewhere on post. Why was it so important for me to know if she had died in here? Jakob Gruner? Helen Keller? I squirted out a nervous little laugh in the silence at that one. Then I finished up the last tag, a shy one hiding in the corner of an overturned box, exposing only its threaded tail. I pulled it to the beam of light and read, Anna shoots. That night I lay in bed, holding the tag at its edges, delicately between my thumb and pointer finger, reading the name over and over again. How many Anna Schutzes were there at the time in this tiny town? Maybe a few? How many other Anaschutzes had been here often enough to have died in that little clinic and shown up again to haunt the woods? It was hers. I felt the thick old string brush against the side of my palm and turned the tag up to look at it again. I had considered how it had once rested on her foot after she had left this life, but there was something that I noticed as I cradled the fetish. Something stupid and insignificant, but for some reason I clung to it with the obsession of an archaeologist who only has one artifact from an entire civilization. Most of the other strings had been small, little things only big enough for the toe. This one was large enough for me to slide my hand through and wear it on my wrist. Was it a paper precursor to the modern vinyl ID tag they buttoned onto your wrist in the hospital? Was it simply for identification of a living body, a patient? I gingerly wrapped the tag into my palm and held it against my chest as I rolled onto my stomach and tried to sleep. Thanks for listening. I hope you had a good time. I welcome your feedback and your comments. If you're interested in joining our Facebook group, you can see it there above our email. We'll have the next chapter of Anna Shoots ready for you sometime early next week, and I hope you have a good day. Thanks.